Well, good morning, church. It's great to be uh, with you today. And before we jump into our content and pray together, I just want to remind you of three things. Number one, uh, if you're thinking about going to Israel in January, that deadline is next month in October. And so now is the time to go ahead and finish that and sign up for that. Uh, Secondly, uh, we're off to a great start with BCYA, our young adults things, on Tuesday nights at the Midtown campus. And so if you're a young adult or a young professional, join us there at Midtown at 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. And and then this last week, I had an opportunity with a couple of our staff members to participate in an autism awareness uh, event. And at every point in, in that event, throughout four or five hours, uh, people saw my hat. I had a Battle Creek hat on, and they were like, oh, you go to Battle Creek. Haven, 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 haven. I heard it all day long at, at how uh, remarkable and how thankful this whole uh, autistic world in our city uh, is for Haven. And so would you just thank the Lord for those who serve in Haven and, and uh, pull that off? Uh, uh, we rejoice. As you bless those with disabilities and special needs and and their families. And and this morning we got to watch uh, two out of that ministry be baptized today. Glory to God. Amen. And and so I I want us to pray together. And before we do, would you just open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3? That's where we're going to be today, Hebrews chapter 3. And if you you have it, a paper copy, great, open it. If you have a digital copy, open it to Hebrews chapter 3. And and as you bow your heads and close your eyes, I just kind of want you to put your hands on the scripture, believing that God wants to speak through his scripture today. And, and so as you pray right now, would you pray for the person on your right? Would you just pray that God would speak to them today, that the Holy Spirit by his power would speak into their spirit and, and would speak a word relevant to their life today? Now, if you would, take a second and pray for the person on the other side and and pray that God would, by his power, by his spirit, speak a word into their spirit that would change their lives today. And now with your hand on the scripture, would you just say, God, if you have a word from me today, I will heed it. I will obey you and I will follow you. I, I thank you that your word is living and it's about to jump off these pages into my life. I receive it today as a word from God on the throne of all thrones. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say amen and amen. Hey, I want you to write this down. My title today is to think carefully. Think carefully. What, what, what are some things uh, in this culture today you should think carefully uh, about? I, I think you should think carefully before you post on social media, right? I think you should think carefully before you respond uh, to that angry uh, person. There there are all kinds of uh, examples we could give. How how many of you just show of hands would say, I've got an illustration of a time I didn't think carefully and I should have, right? We we all have uh, those illustrations. I was trying to think of one this week and and here's one for me that is imprinted in my heart. It was the very first Mother's Day of my uh, immediate family after I had a child. Catherine was born on March the 19th and Mother's Day, you know, it was like six or seven weeks later in, in early May. And I didn't get the memo that, that I was supposed to get something for the mother of my children. I thought I was supposed to get something for my mother. 
And uh, she was not my mother, so I didn't think I was supposed to get her something. So I conscientiously thought of getting my mother something, but I didn't get Meredith anything on her first Mother's Day that morning. And I got to church that morning early, left early, like six o'clock, I'm at church. And, and I taught teenagers like three different hours. And, and somebody asked me, what did you get Meredith for Mother's Day? I said, she's not my mother. And, uh, and they said, uh, you're going to be in trouble like she is your mother. And, and And so I gave a credit card to an intern and I said, go to Walmart. This was back in the day when only Walmart was open on Sunday. And I said, just get some crap and put it in a bucket and and, and, uh, just whatever you can find. It was pretty limiting in that day. And so he got some magazines and a eye gel uh, cooling thing and, and what he could put together. But it was very obvious that I had not thought ahead on that one. And I learned a lesson I should think carefully. I should think carefully of all kinds of things. And as we walk through Hebrews, we're going to think carefully. But I love that we get to spend so much time in one book of the Bible. Quite honestly, it's what I love more than anything in terms of teaching is to take a book of the Bible and to go through it chapter by chapter by chapter. Not because I get to show you what I've learned, but because you get to learn it for yourselves, right? And that you know where we're going, so you get to read ahead. And one of the principles to keep in mind whenever you read the Bible is actually right here in the very first verse of chapter three of Hebrews. Let's look at it together. And it says, and so dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare as God's messenger and God's high priest. Now, here it is, okay? You can underline this in your Bible. This line right here. Think carefully about this Jesus. Because every page of the Bible, every book of the Bible, every chapter of the Bible, every verse of the Bible has something to say about Jesus, right? And it may be a prophecy in the Old Testament or a shadow or or a type, but all throughout the Bible, every page has something to say about Jesus Christ. In other words, reading the Bible without thinking carefully about Jesus is reading it incompletely. Let's back up again and and let's look at this. So dear brothers and sisters who belong to God. This word uh, dear brothers and sisters really is, and the Greek is the word holy or or, uh, saints. And so he's saying dear holy saints, those of us who are in Christ, who belong to God and are are partners with those called to heaven. In other words, those of us in Christ, we're bound for a place called heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and God's high priest. Now, look, these last two titles of Jesus or functions of Jesus, if you will, are really important. The the first one is we are God's uh, messenger. We're his messenger. That that Greek word is the word uh, apostle. And what does apostle mean? Apostle means sent. In other words, he's the sent one. He's the sent one from God. He's the apostle of God. He's sent from God to us. He represents God to us. And and when they saw Jesus, they actually saw the Father. When we encounter Jesus, we're actually encountering God in heaven. But, But the second title is the high priest. He's the messenger and the high priest. What does that mean? He that means he's our representative before God. 
Remember in the Old Testament days, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement and meet with God. In fact, just interesting tidbit, that day, the Day of Atonement or the day we call Yom Kippur will be celebrated tomorrow on the Jewish calendar. In fact, one of my kids this week said, hey, Dad, have you heard the the rumor that Jesus is coming back in September or October, like this year? And I I said, no, I haven't heard that. But what I will say to you is I I don't think he's going to miss a feast. He, he has been a part of every feast in the Old Testament and has shown himself fulfilled in every, pre, in every one of the feasts. He's going to come back on a feast, in my opinion. And, and in fact, one of the things I love to do on that trip to Israel is to show you how Jesus is the fulfillment to every single one of the Jewish feasts. And this high priest is the one who represented the entire nation of Israel. He went before God on their behalf. And that's what Jesus does uh, with our father, our heavenly father on our behalf. He makes intercession on your behalf. Now, what does that mean? right? Intercessory prayer. That's kind of one of those old fashioned uh, words we don't use very often anymore. What does it mean? It just means to pray for someone else. And here's the beautiful truth. That's what Jesus is doing for you. He's before the Father, night and day, day and night, interceding for you. And so he's a messenger, and and he's God's high priest. Now let's keep reading to see uh, what else Jesus is. He was faithful to God, faithful to God who appointed him. In other words, he did everything that God called him to do. He didn't leave anything out. From his birth in a manger all the way to the death on the cross, it was all fulfilled. In John chapter 17 and verse 4, listen to what Jesus says to God the Father. He said, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, let's keep reading. For he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses Serve faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. Now, this is an instance where thinking carefully about Jesus is very important. Because if every page of the Bible says something about Jesus, then think carefully about Jesus when you read about Moses. Whatever you read or learn about Moses, put it through the lens of Christ. Whatever you think about Moses, make sure that it doesn't outshine Jesus Christ. This, by the way, was a, was a uh, very controversial statement in, in the day that it was written. Very controversial. But because the Jewish people, uh, for them, Moses was the man, right? He was the lawgiver. He was their leader. The Roman culture in that time tried to discredit Moses by pointing out all the bad and the seedy parts uh, of Moses' testimony and Moses' story. So the Jewish scholars responded, particularly a guy named Philo, who elevated Moses to almost a godlike status. And so the writer of Hebrews is sort of combating that whole attitude. Now, Moses, you can write him down in the margin of your Bible, write his name down. Moses was highly regarded and still is today among the Jewish people. He he fulfilled the role of prophet. Now, what does that mean? It means he brought the word of God to the people of God. He's the prophet, right? He fulfilled the role of priest, meaning that he represented the people before God. He, He fulfilled the role of king, how? By leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And these three roles, write them down, prophet, priest, and king. These three roles are messianic roles. So Moses is a prototype 
are a foreshadowing of who? The Messiah. Do you remember in Luke chapter 24, Jesus is walking down a road in in a resurrected state, and he comes up on a couple of his followers on the road to Emmaus. Remember, we we did that whole chapter uh, one time on Easter Sunday. We took that road to Emmaus with those guys, with Jesus in a resurrected state. But, But after the resurrection, this is after he's proven himself as God. And these guys still don't get it. So, so what does Jesus do? The Bible says that he starts explaining the Bible to these guys. He opens their minds to the Scripture is literally what it says. And I love the way Luke puts it because Luke puts it this way. He says, beginning with Moses. He explains the scriptures to these guys. In other words, here's Jesus using the story of Moses, the life of Moses, the scripture of Moses to show these two disciples that he indeed is the Messiah. And so when you think carefully about Jesus in light of Moses, you'll find that this is not the first time in Scripture where Jesus is compared with Moses. In fact, all four gospel writers lay the two of them side by side and do sort of a juxtaposition or a a comparison of the two. And, And the author of Hebrews is trying to help Hebrews understand Jesus. And he knows the path to do that with is Moses. And so that's the path he takes. In fact, let me show you some of the similarities the scriptures point out between uh, Jesus and Moses. And if you got a pen, write these down, okay? Number one, Jesus and Moses, both of them, were born under remarkable circumstances. Now, all of us know about the birth of Jesus, right? We, We all know that Jesus was born of a virgin, right? We, we know that his birth is the product of the power of the Holy Spirit on Mary. But Moses' birth was also remarkable. Exodus 2.2 says that when he was born, his mother knew that he was very unique. Okay, so that, that's one uh, similarity. Wr- write this one down. Here's another one. Both Jesus and Moses were the target of an evil king when they were born. You, you remember the story when, when, with Moses, Pharaoh had given the order to kill all the baby Hebrew uh, male children, right? But with Jesus, all those years later, Herod also gave an order to kill all the Hebrew male babies. It's incredible. It's remarkable that the very same thing happened to both of them with all that time in, in between. Here's another one that you can write down. Both Jesus and Moses were adopted. Moses by Pharaoh's daughter, Jesus by Joseph. And I think God wrote that into the story of both of them to show us he loves adoption, right? Here's another one that you can write down. Both Jesus and Moses performed signs and wonders. We spent like six weeks this past spring going over the signs of Jesus. But Moses also performed signs and miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And and these signs and miracles all were pointing to God. When Moses performed signs and miracles, it was to prove that God had sent him. When Jesus performed signs and miracles, it was to prove that God had sent him. But it also showed that Jesus was, in fact, God himself. It's all about who these miracles were pointing 
to. They, they were meant to show God's love to a specific people at a specific time. They were meant to bring healing. They were meant to bring provision. But they were also meant to show all of us God. And that was the purpose of Moses' life. That's why we study him, to see who it is that he points to. He points to Jesus Christ. Here's another one. Both Jesus and Moses were on a mission to set people Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. God tells Moses, you will lead my people out of Egypt. In other words, out of slavery. You're going to set them free. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus steps up to that podium in that synagogue and he reads the scripture and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to set the captives free. There are lots of other similarities, by the way. I'm just giving you a few of them today. Jesus and Moses both fasted 40 days and 40 nights at the beginning of their ministries. Jesus and Moses were both supported in ministry by a female relative. Moses had a sister named Miriam, right? Jesus had a mother named Mary, or in Hebrew, Miriam. Do do you see it? One, One more I want you to see today. Write this one down. Both Jesus and Moses were rejected by their own people. Acts chapter 7, verse 39, says that the people rejected Moses. In John chapter 5, verse 43, we see the same thing playing out with Jesus. Now listen, all of these similarities are important, but what's even more important are the differences between the two of them. And I'm going to show you six of them today. I want you to write these six down, okay? Uh, Because they're going to show you who Jesus is. Moses was the prince of Egypt. Jesus was the prince of peace and king of kings, and lord of lords. Moses may have been adopted into a royal family. Jesus paved the way for us to be adopted into his royal family. Moses may have been raised in a palace. Jesus left the palace of heaven so that we could all one day live with him there forever. Here's another one today. Moses made a living as a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd who brings life to all. We read about Moses being a shepherd in Exodus chapter 3 after he left Egypt. Remember that? He, he, he was on the run. He had killed an Egyptian slave driver. Many of the figures in the Old Testament, by the way, were shepherds, but Jesus is the only good shepherd according to John chapter 10 verse 11. Listen to this one. Moses tried uh, to save a Hebrew kinsman by killing Jesus saved the whole world by dying. Exodus chapter 2, we we read the story. I just mentioned it a moment ago. The the story of Moses seeing this Egyptian uh, slave driver beating one of his fellow Hebrews. So Moses goes and kills the Egyptian and buries his body. The the next day he runs into a couple of Hebrews who say, you're the guy who killed the Egyptian yesterday. Are you going to kill us now? But Jesus never laid a finger on anyone. He didn't have to. In fact, Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says he laid his life down as a ransom for many. Here's another one that you can uh, write down. Moses held up his hands and God controlled the sea. It's the story of the Red Sea. We've all heard that story. Pharaoh is chasing them down. Remember, he's chasing them down all the way down to the sea. And and the children of Israel are scared. 
And they cry out, what now, Moses? And God tells Moses, raise up your staff. And he does. And God moves the waters and he parts the sea. And a whole nation marches through on dry ground. And the people shout and the people rejoice and they praise God. Why? Because it was God who had done it. But, but Jesus, write this down, Jesus merely spoke and showed he was God by controlling the sea. Mark chapter 4 is the story. He's in the boat with the disciples. The wind is blowing. The boat is rocking. And they don't know what to do. And they say, what now, Jesus? And Jesus looks at the sea and says, peace be still. And the waves calm down and the wind stops. And they look at him and they praise him. Why? Because he is God. He's not just sent by God or serving God. He is God in the flesh. Here's another one. Moses prayed to God and God rained down bread from heaven. That's Exodus 16, if you want to write that down. We call it the manna from heaven story. Moses prayed to God and God provided. And each day it would rain down bread from heaven. God did it. Don't miss the point. God did it. But, but Jesus prayed to God and then made bread from his own hands. Jesus was teaching. It was late at night. The people had no food. He said, gather what you can, see what we have. Only a few loaves and a, and a few fish, not nearly enough to feed thousands of people. But Jesus prays to God, and instead of God raining bread down from heaven, Jesus is the one who made it happen. By his very hands, what Jesus was declaring to all of those who could see is that I'm greater than Moses. I'm God himself. Here's another one. Moses is the mediator between Israel and God. That's Exodus 20, verses 19 and following. Those verses explain how God would speak to Moses and then Moses would turn and speak to the people. Or the people would speak to Moses, and then Moses would turn and speak to God. He was sort of this middleman in this relationship. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus is the mediator between God and all mankind. After the cross, there's no need for another middleman because Jesus became our middleman once and for all. Listen to how Paul explained it to Timothy in 1 Timothy. There is one God. Say one. One God. One mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. Who is it? The man Christ Jesus. Therefore, Moses is a shadow of Christ. He came before Jesus, but pointed to Jesus. How he is like Jesus is proof that Jesus is the one he was talking about when he said, someone greater than me is coming after me. And the way Jesus is different than Moses proves that. This is how Jesus is different. And that proves that he deserves more glory. Now let's go back to Hebrews where we left off and let's keep reading. Verse three, but Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as the person who builds the house deserves more praise than the house itself. And chapters one and two, we did this over the last two weeks. We proved that the writer of Hebrews in the first two chapters has already established that God created the universe through Jesus Christ. And now this writer is using the very same logic in chapter three to put Jesus above even Moses. And here's what he says. If Moses is a part of the creation, isn't the creator greater 
than the creation. In other words, he's better than good. Jesus is the best ever. In Numbers chapter 12, God says of anyone in my house, Moses is the one I trust. He's faithful. He's true. He's reliable. He's dependable. God could say that about no one else in the day of Moses. So Moses was special and he is still special, but don't miss it. He's part of the house. He's part of the house. God said, of my house, meaning Moses is in the house, but Jesus is over the house. He's not a member of the house. He's the founder of the house, the author of the house, the originator of the house, the heir of the house. So he has special status. Now, what on, what on earth does that mean? It means he's the creator. Now, the writer of Hebrews goes on and look at what he says in verse four, for every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Jewish believers in Jesus, they all knew that Moses was special. They knew that he was the father of the Jewish faith. They knew he was the one that God chose to give the law to, but they also knew something that the non-believing Jews uh, who were their brothers and sisters did not know. They knew that Moses would come in second place next to Jesus because Jesus is God. He was and is and is to come. And he goes on to expound on this. Look at verse 5. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house. There it is again. In God's house as a servant. Now, just in case you're wondering what this is all about, he makes it very clear. His work was a, say it, church, it was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. In who? In Jesus, right? But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. Who's in charge? You you can write that down in your Bible there. Who's in charge? That's a deep question we have to ask today, right? Who's in charge? Who's in charge of this house? Jesus. Who's in charge of your house? Look look at what he says, verse 6. And we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Circle those words, courage and confidence. Courage and confidence. Confidence knowing that Jesus is the best ever, but courage to face any battle. Why? Because he is on our side. Now, let me try to tie a bow on this, take you back to verse 3, okay? Let's go back to verse 3 where we were a minute ago, the thesis of the whole thing. Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. The writer is not saying Moses bad, Jesus good. The writer is saying Moses good, Jesus great. He's saying that Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than good. He was and he is the best ever. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the great I am. Come on, church. He is the one who spoke this whole world into existence. I spent the last 30 minutes showing you scriptures that compare Jesus to Moses. Listen, that was relevant to a Hebrew audience. Why? Because they were thinking about Moses. And that's why the author tells us to think carefully about Jesus. Because in all likelihood, you're here today and you're not consumed with Moses. You may be consumed with a mortgage or a marriage or medical bills. 
And in all of those things, he is the great I am. Here's what I want you to see today, church. Listen, cover to cover, the Bible makes it clear of itself that the human language does not have the capacity to contain God. The human language goes bankrupt in trying to understand God. Listen, that's why we use shadows and types and stories of God. That's why the writer of Hebrews refers to all these types in in the Old Testament. But back in the Old Testament, back in the Old Testament, the story about the character we've been looking at today, Moses, when, when Moses spoke to God, he asked God, who will I say sent me? And God said, you can't handle the truth. You can't handle who I am. You can't handle all of me. Listen to me. His divinity cannot be extrapolated from just one name. If you say he's the bread, I'll say, no, he's the water. If you say he's mercy, I'll say, no, he's justice. If you say healer, I'll say, no, no, he's divine. If you say redeemer, I'll say he's the lamb. If you say he's the lamb, I'll say he's the scapegoat. If you say he's the scapegoat, I say he's the way. If you say he's the way, I'll say the truth. If you say the truth, I'll say the life. Listen, God in his grace. In his grace said, I'm going to give you one little handle that you can hang on to, a small piece of me, one simple name. I am. Say it, church. I am. You you, you say, I need a new idea. He says, say it, church. You you ask, is anyone smart enough to figure this whole thing out? He says, nothing is working in my life, but... I'm not sure whose side, who's on my side anymore. Nobody listens to me anymore. I don't feel like anyone is trustworthy. I've given all I can, but it's never, ever enough. Is there any hope for my marriage? Any healing for my sickness? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the solution, and I am the sustainer. I am the restorer, and I am the life giver. I am the beginning, and I am the end. The first and the last. I am God, and there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I am that I am. I am God, and he is worthy of all of our praise. Church, get on your feet, and let's worship Jesus in this place.